Hey folks, this is Bob Frazier. Thanks for joining me as we take a walk through Oklahoma history. I am honored today to welcome two people that I'm proud to call friends. Welcome to Cutting the Cards, Senator John Ford and Representative Earl Sears. These two gentlemen provided great leadership and service to Bartlesville and to Oklahoma while serving in Oklahoma City at the state capitol, and they both continue to work daily to improve the quality of lives in this community. Guys, there's a million things we could talk about, so let's just get this thing rolling. John, let's start with you. You entered politics after a successful career with Phillips. How did you transition that work experience with Phillips into one of government service? Bob, that's an easy answer. I had 34 years with Phillips, most of it in marketing or management. And when you're doing those jobs, you're dealing with people. When you're dealing with customers, you're trying to understand what their issues, what their needs are. How can you work with the goals of the company so that you both come out ahead? So just dealing with people, and that's exactly what politics is. If it's a constituent and they need something, they need a road built, the state doesn't always have the money. So you're just trying to understand everybody's needs and then communicate with both sides and try to see if there's a, a middle point that's good for everybody. So working for Phillips, being in politics, to me it's always about liking people, enjoy talking to people, and just trying to solve some problems. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Perfect sense. Same question, Earl, with uh, a great career in education. Um, how did that prepare you for the role in the in the state house? It's a little bit of the, the same thing. Uh, first of all, I, I'm a people person. I love people. I love this community. I, I quite frankly, anything and everything I could do to help our community, I, I'm in the middle of it and trying to improve it. Uh, ran for city council, served for four years on city council, and just in my job, uh, career in education for 32 years, it's a little bit what just uh, former Senator Ford just said. You're just automatically, you got there's, there's days that you're on, you know, everything's just hitting on all cylinders, and there's days it all falls apart, and, you know, you got to make it work. I yeah. mean, I love just telling this story, not this story, but this statement. It doesn't make any difference. Rain, snow, sleep, the buses leave at 3 o'clock, and you got to <laughs> get the kids on it, and you got to wrap up a day of school. So it just... That all came natural to me, working with parents, working with teachers, working with parents, working with students, being on city council helped me immensely in regards to not only budgets, because I had budget schools, but on the city council was, you know, people in regards to truly, you know, was frustrated because the street was torn up or, uh, you know, the water system wasn't working or the sewer system wasn't You just, I was exposed to all kinds of avenues in regards to what makes our city function and how it should function. So it's literally the same thing of meeting people and making sure that, uh, things come together. And, and by doing that, I mean, I scheduled meetings. I, meetings were scheduled for me, and you go to meetings, and John can comment to this, but I found that when I first served, when I went down there, that was the easiest thing I did. I just, people were saying, you know, this is going to be tough. You, your time, this, you're, it's going to be, you're just, you're going to be out of your element. Well, it really just fit like a glove because, I mean, I served on committees. It started at 10 o'clock. I tell you what would blow my mind. I'd be there at the committee meeting at five minutes to 10, and members, there still be members coming in at ten ten, and I would just say, "How do you do that?" <laughs> <laughs> and then you had some that you know kind of had jobs, didn't have the phenomenal careers that Senator Ford and I had, and um, um, you know they just they just sometimes they just didn't know how to put things together. Now that's not bragging on me, and I'm going to say not bragging on John as well, but it just I mean it was the career you were in. Yeah. Okay, things were in front of you, and you had to put things together to make this thing work. Okay, I could use you. 
in regards to your phenomenal career, but your last 15-some years was running at Rock. I mean, it just you just didn't go one day and say, well, what's going to happen today? I mean, it was a well-thought-out plan in regards to how this thing's going, and there was just constantly making this thing work. I mean, you just those pressures were in front of you. Those ideas were in front of you. So it was really just went well for me. And, yeah. and again, I'll say this because – both of us had a phenomenal career. His was in Phillips. Mine was in public education, one that I'm very, very proud of and honored to have. But I just know the more you're in this career, and when we, get, we went into the jobs that we did working for the people in our area, his District 29 and my District 11, we went into that at a perfect time because we just, you know, we, we had the time and the energy to do the work of the people. Yeah, and I, I do think it's, it's funny how life prepares us um, because, you know, my career at Woolerock, could I have done that 30 years ago? Maybe, but not nearly as well uh, because the career I had before that, uh, dealing with people, uh, you know, working at the bank uh, before that, you know, it, it almost, you got to have all those pieces put together to, to maybe put you in the right position at the right time. Uh, I, I loved your comment about the the 10 o'clock meeting, I used to ask my people, what time does the 5 o'clock news start? Um, I mean, you, you're pretty dependent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's going to start at 5. You exactly. It rarely starts at 5 yeah. after 5. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's yeah. 5 o'clock news, there it is. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I'm not going to tell you I haven't ever been late to a meeting, but it just blew my mind. And, John, I think you'll agree with what I just said. I mean, you, if you had a 10 o'clock committee meeting, they'd still be coming in at 10 after. Oh, yes. Yeah. Just blew my mind. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Yeah. This meeting started at 10 o'clock. Yeah. Bingo. <laughs> we got, uh, how we got, long? We got 14 bills we got to hear. We need you in the room. We need it now. How long did each of you serve at the state capitol? I served 12 years, and that was our term limit. And Earl served 12 years. Uh, and, and I, uh, uh, you haven't asked this question. I, I cannot tell you the, the pride and the, uh, the admiration and just all that I went through and still to this day humbled that the people of District 11 gave me that, that job. But I got to tell you, um, I am, I don't regret a thing I did, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be home. <laughs> That's perfect. That's well, perfect. the way I say that is you couldn't pay me enough for what I did, but you couldn't pay me enough to do it again. Yeah. That's great. I love that. Okay, as each of you look back on those years, um, John, we'll start with you. What do you consider to be your greatest accomplishment in those 12 years in Oklahoma City? Bob, the thing that I'm most proud about that really made, I think, a difference, and I was the Senate author that introduced voter ID, and this was in 2009. Uh, my first four years in the Senate, we were either in the minority or tied, and the Democrats were always adamantly opposed to voter ID. In 2009, for the first time in the history of Oklahoma, the Republicans took control of the Senate and I introduced a bill to require voter ID. That was passed in April of 2009, in May of 2009, and on the 8th of May, the governor vetoed it because he was a Democrat. That was Brad Henry. Okay. But we had known all along that we didn't have the numbers to override a veto. So we also had a companion bill that was going through both the House and the Senate that instead of requiring it to be approved by the governor and become law, it sent it to a legislative initi initiative to the vote of the people. 
And the same day that the governor vetoed the voter ID bill that made it become law, the House and the Senate both on final passage passed that for a legislative initiative. The governor cannot stop that. It goes to the Secretary of State, and it was on the general ballot in 2010, and 74% of the citizens of Oklahoma voted for voter ID. Wow, that's incredible. So that's the thing that I'm most proud about as far as one specific incident. How about you? Well, first of all, I got a comment. Uh, I was there when that was going on, and that is, I, I, the senator's been very accurate. But you need to understand, he took he took shots, he took arrows. You just can't imagine how people just thought the world was going to come to an end if you had to to identify yourself to go vote, which I thought was crazy. Mm-hmm. But again, what we have in Oklahoma is due to uh, John Ford, former Senator John Ford, is in this room right now, still lives here in Barnesville, Oklahoma, and I am extremely proud of John Ford, Senator Ford, that he carried that legislation because that's what we deal with today. When you walk in, even though every person in the election booth here in election where I vote mm-hmm. know me, but I, they still ask for my ID, and that's the way it should be. Got to have it. I and agree that, with that's you. That's absolutely I. But also uh, Earl was one of the strong voices in the House that got it through over there. Yeah, but So we took it to the vote of the people when Governor Henry and I. You know, I'm going to have to tell you a couple of quick ones. Now, there's no, <clears throat> this isn't a particular issue that I'm going to give you, I, I mean, a, a, an item. But with great pride, uh, it says clearly when you're elected in the House of Representatives and your responsibilities, you will be an advocate for the people. And the other one is that you have to vote on the state budget, which is our founding fathers, which was great. That the one little thing they put in the Constitution was you will have a balanced budget every year, which Thank God we do. Yeah. We need it at the federal level, but that's another story. That's another program. Indeed, <laughs> indeed. Uh, but uh, the one of it is you just absolutely have to be an advocate. And I took great pride of taking that very seriously. Again, not bragging on me. John Ford could do, say the same thing. I, I, again, we were great cheerleaders one another, but again, he's been my friend ever since we met when we became T-ball coaches. And we, that's where our friendship first started. And won the state championship. We won the state city championship. And, uh, but being an advocate, you just can't imagine. The, uh, you know, there, there's hundreds, if not thousands, of people calling and say, Representative Sears, I can't X. And with great joy, I would break down those walls in regards to getting the government and to get them whatever issue they may have. And there's simple things like couldn't get a death certificate, couldn't get a birth certificate, uh, couldn't, get, couldn't get a date to get their driver's license. I mean, they're just simple things. But in these people's world, that's a big deal. Oh, yeah. And they can't, they, they're frustrated they can't go anywhere. Okay, they don't know what to do. So I take great pride in that. And I could get, tell you hundreds of stories. I broke things down and really just doing my job. But uh, I, I just was very, very proud of, of the, of that I made that a priority of mine, that the people of District 11, if they had an issue and I could resolve that issue, that was a priority to me. Yeah, that's now, terrific. And then as far as my when carrying legislation, there's numerous ones, but I guess I got to put mine at the top is I very quickly saw that tax uh, incentives were totally out of control, completely out of control. I mean, money going here, money going there, no watchdog over it. No, I don't want to say people weren't really seeing what was going, but it really was just kind of loose. Yeah. And uh, I got it. Representative Dank was a near and dear friend of mine. That I, he was a freshman when when he went. We both were elected same year, and we developed a great relationship. And uh, we started uh, the charge, the avenue in regards to monitoring those tax credits on behalf of the people of Oklahoma because they're into the millions of dollars. Oh yeah. I mean, we're not talking hundred thousand dollars. We're talking into the millions, untold millions. Mm-hmm. And uh, he died, and he and I were shoulder to shoulder. 
Senator uh, Representative uh, Dank passed in the middle of, my, of, of our time serving. And so I took on that charge. And I have to tell you, I'm very, very proud of the numerous policies and positions that we now have in place of uh, ending tax credits, sunsetting tax credits. And now then they actually got to come before a board and there's got to be some, you know, this is what, this is what, this is what you get for the bang of your buck. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I am all, all for, um, um, incentives. They work. There's no question they work. It's, if you don't do it, I'm telling you, every state and union has different incentives and they're trying to get any company, you name a company, sure. big company, small company, come to Oklahoma or to Florida, Texas, you name it. And, uh, I get that. And, uh, but again, we just, some of ours were out of control. And so i I'm very, very proud of starting the, the 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 process and putting legislation and rules and regulations into place in regards to somebody having a watchdog over that money because after all, it is the taxpayer's money. Mm -hmm. And again, I'll emphasize it's not two, three hundred thousand dollars. It's in the millions yeah. of dollars of your tax dollars. Yeah, big money, big so big money. There's others. That I I got to say this when I uh, this 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 isn't an I. This is a we. But I was the one that was driving the car. <clears throat> The biggest deficit we've ever had in the great state of Oklahoma was $1.4 billion. And I was the AB chairman that had to bring, had to write that budget. Now, you need to know on this telecast, every morning, there's no one beat former Senator Ford and I to the state capitol. No one did. We, he'd be there making call. I'd be in his office every morning at 6 o'clock. So he, he knows all this stuff as well. But I'm very, very proud that I navigated uh, uh, balancing that budget of $1.4 billion. We didn't raise taxes and also didn't cut public education. Okay, We kept them flat. So I'm very, very proud of that. But again, you need to understand, I mean, we took money from every, <laughs> <laughs> every nook and cranny in the state of Oklahoma. But we balanced that budget. Amen. Right. Amen. All right, let's take a look at the flip side of that um, in those 12 years as you look back on it. Um, I'll go back to you again, John. What, what was your biggest disappointment over those years? You know, you go through a career, and there are a lot of bills that you kind of get tied to, and when they're defeated, you really get upset, which you shouldn't, but you do. Yeah. But I think as I look at my career, the biggest disappointment, and the irony of all of this, Earl and I were there same time. His career was in education. I was chairman of the Education Committee in the Senate. My career in Phillips, a lot of that had to do with budgeting. Earl's an educator was in charge of the budget on the House. So I don't know why we got flipped in those positions. But for eight years, I was the first, <clears throat> chair, first Republican chair of the Education Committee. I was there for eight years. And we passed a lot of legislation that I think helped some. We may have passed some that really didn't help a lot. One thing you do as a chairman is you stop a lot of bad le legislation from getting even heard. But my biggest disappointment in education in that eight years is there was nothing major that we did to improve the quality of education in this state hmm. that made a significant difference. Okay. Did okay. a lot of little things. Yeah. And, Bob, I think back, I don't know what it would be. I've been gone six years it's, it is a huge endeavor, a lot of different interested parties, but to make a significant difference, that's my one disappointment. That's interesting. That's interesting. Earl? You know, uh, it's just a little bit what John said. You just, there's, there's, there's some little, 
you have some you have some little victories, you have some big victories, and you have some small defeats, and then sometimes you have some big defeats. And one major defeat that I felt frustrated with when I was there, which led up to my last two years, and Senator Ford already turned limited. Again, I was two years behind him. And we'll talk about the last two years, which we finally did something. But even though my career was in public education, on any given day, <clears throat> on any given day, um, um, education just, they have needs and they have issues, okay? And we just would not come up with a teacher pay raise. And that was frustrating to me because um, even though my career was in public education and I'm not, I just wanted to just hand money out to educators, but it just, we just kept putting on a hold saying, and we didn't have any money. The 12 years I served, one year, we had a $200 million surplus. One year, $200 million, okay? And, and we didn't have the money, but still, we would just almost get to the finish line to give a $800 or $1,000 increase to a teacher only to be pulled back because we didn't have the money. And those were my, my big ones. But now, at the last two years, I mean, we literally, we'd cut, because then you get this old story, and now you got to understand, I was the AB chairman, and I'm seeing all the numbers, okay? And then you just have people out here that would just say, well, you just need to cut those budgets. There's just too much government. Well, there's, there's not a budget you can't cut, but we did that, mm -hmm. okay? Now, I'll give you an example. If you kept cutting the, the, safe, the Department of Safety too much, they had like 20 uh, uh, places in the state that you could go and get driver's license. Well, if you kept cutting it, the next cut they had was everybody in Bartersville and the surrounding area would have to drive to Tulsa. Okay? We would lose ours in Bartersville. Already the people from Fairfax is having to drive to either Bartersville or to Tulsa. Okay, I'm making my point. Right. You just, you just, I mean, we cut and you just kept grinding it. And mm -hmm. it's just smaller government. And I'm all for that. I'm an absolute fiscal conservative. And there's nothing that irritates me anymore than to uh, send your, your dollars, uh, your tax dollars, spent irresponsible. And, you, and there's not a budget you can't look at. But we've done all that. Okay. Now, you could still maybe cut a little bit more and more should have gone here. But the point is, we'd get to that finish line. And I just, it was to a point the last two years, even though, I had one person just challenged me and just said, well, you're just, you know, you, you don't have another election, so you're just going to vote for this. Well, and I, I didn't argue with him, because he is correct, but the bottom line to it is the teachers hadn't had a raise in 10 years. And that's what led up to the walkout, the protest. <clears throat> they ended up getting about a $6,500 raise, and we raised a few taxes. Um, <clears throat> well, well, no, we didn't raise a few taxes. Well, we did two. We raised it. We raised taxes on cigarettes and taxes on gasoline. The gasoline tax, the loss in the entire nation, we were 16 cents. We raised it three cents. And I was the one that carried that bill, and it was all it had to all go to transportation. Before that, transportation get all this money, and then we just balance these budgets. We'd take $100 million from transportation just to balance the budget. So you could get real deep in the weeds here in regards mm -hmm. to building these budgets. But the bottom line to it is my... It wasn't until my last two years we really gave a significant increase to the teachers. Now you can have your you can have your debate and arguments about public education all you want, but I don't care who you are. Not go go almost eight nine years and never get a pay raise. Now they would get a local step raise. Right, might be a hundred dollars one year, hundred and fifty the next. But I'm talking about a raise in your salary, and I just used to that was oh that was my my frustration. Yeah, but I, we finally did something. Uh, on the last two years, and I have no idea even what teacher salaries are today, because I've been out almost four years, four years plus. But I'm telling you, that was, that was my disappointment that we didn't get, we didn't stay consistent giving teachers pay raises. Yep.
Understandable. Thanks for joining us today with our visit with Earl Sears and John Ford. It's been a lot of fun. If you enjoyed this, uh, visit us again for part two, where we continue this interesting conversation with two interesting people.